Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all. This is Robert Rogers, and you have just connected to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I've been airing this show on a regular basis every week now for several years. I want everyone to know that you may be listening to this live, but you can also dip back week after week after week and get some amazing downloads of shows that I have aired over the past several years. I want everybody also to know, if you don't know already, there's also a Parkinson's Recovery blog and I do questions and answers on that blog. So folks send questions in to me, and when I can't quite figure out the answer, I pontificate and I incubate answers, I write them up, and that's what you'll see on the Parkinson's Recovery blog. I've been doing that now for a number of years. We're talking this is the fifth anniversary for Parkinson's Recovery. So there is a ton of resource information on the Parkinson's Recovery blog. I had a number of requests from individuals that said, can't you digest some of this? Can't you put it into a book? Reality is, if you listen to all the shows and read all the material I've written up that's readily available, it would take about three or four months. So I finally did that, and that's just been released in its second edition form. So it's up to date, except for the show in the show last week that I aired. It's called Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. It's available on Amazon, but if you want to get additional information about the book, I've got a lot of detail at the following website, www.parkinsonsdisease.me. I'm always on the lookout for what's just around the corner in terms of treatments for Parkinson's, and have I found a delightful and an exciting surprise for everyone today. My guest is Dr. Donald Rhodes, who is a graduate of Case Western University and also a graduate from the Ohio College of Podiatric Medicine. He's licensed uh, with a medical license in the state of Texas, and he is board certified as a diplomat from the American Board of Podiatric Surgery. He's going to be talking about some work that he's been doing actually over his entire life, but more recently he's developed something that, as it turns out, helps uh, early reports indicate people who happen to currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. It's an electrostimulation machine that's done through electrodes on the hands and feet. It stimulates acupuncture points and reflexology points as well as freeing up nerve endings. Now, you can't get better than that. Dr. Rhodes, thank you so much for being with us as a guest today on the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show. Well, I, I certainly appreciate the invitation to come and, uh, and talk with you and, and uh, uh, tell a little bit about uh, what we're doing down here in Texas other than uh, uh, frying in the sunshine. The, uh, <laughs> right. It's, I think the heat index today was uh, uh, 111 or 112 when I was out at the ranch. Uh, although I had a patient from Illinois uh, last week uh, who uh, was laughing because it was 93 actual temperature in Corpus, Texas, which is in the southern end of Texas, and was talking with people back in Illinois, and it was 116 or 17 up in Illinois. You, you were cool then, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was cool down here. So, uh, and and I guess uh, what what everybody uh, starts with is wait a minute, this is a foot guy, what does he have to do with Parkinson's disease? And, and uh, many, many years ago, back in the Stone Age, when I was uh, at Case Western Reserve University and I uh, got a bachelor's in biology and geology, 
double major, and uh, I worked at uh, Cleveland Clinic Hospital uh, is how I paid my way through uh, because my parents were teachers, and as you know, teachers don't uh, <laughs> make a whole lot of money. And uh, so I, uh, being the first son, had to, had to help out. And uh, I took a look at uh, general medicine, uh, and the problem that I saw uh, that existed then, and it still exists, is so many diseases don't really have good answers. Uh, so many times general medicine, uh, if, uh, the analogy I always like for my patients is if you look at your health as being a boat sitting in the water and you get hit by a torpedo and the water starts pouring into the boat, medicine in general is concentrating on pumping the water back out of the boat instead of concentrating on plugging the hole in the boat which is letting the water come in. In other words, they're concentrating on the effect rather than the cause. And uh, I saw a great number of uh, really nice people uh, not do very well in the time that I was a lab tech at Cleveland Clinic. So I therefore uh, chose to go into podiatry where uh, uh, you have people who are in generally uh, good health uh, who happen to have a foot problem. And so I merrily went through year after year doing bunions and heel spurs and uh, uh, plastic joints and things like that until 1992 when I had a patient uh, develop a severe uh, nerve injury called reflex sympathetic dystrophy syndrome. And it, it, the best way to describe it is you've been dipped in boiling oil and then lit on fire. And uh, I told her that... Uh, uh, you can't fix this with surgery. Of course, in the back of my mind, I was thinking that you can you can create it with surgery. Surgery is one of the ways you can get into this trouble. And uh, so I tried to find someone to refer her to and found that there was nobody who was getting good results. So I uh, developed some theories to try and help her, and electrostimulation had always... Uh, intrigued me because the, basically the body is a, is a carbon battery and if we can uh, improve uh, the carbon battery, good things happen. And uh, so I came up with some theories and we started using some of the pre-existing uh, electronics that were available at that time. And uh, of course I'm a foot guy so I was running longer and longer through the foot. I ran out of foot but I had a perfectly good foot on the other side, so I started bouncing from one foot to the other foot. And the first thing that happened before her foot and leg pain disappeared was she came in and said, Doc, my migraine headaches disappeared. And uh, so at that point I went back to the research uh, material and, and started trying to figure out why this had happened. And Basically, what had happened is I'd accidentally triggered an acupuncture point. And, uh, of course, the next thing that happened is she said uh, her best friend had terrible migraine headaches. Could she refer her to the clinic? And that's how all of this started. Uh, I quit doing surgery back about 1995, 96, and now uh, have uh, gone completely to electronic medicine, if you would, 
And uh, patients have come from throughout the world. Uh, we found uh, over the years, uh, one by one, that uh, multiple diseases are uh, responsive to this treatment. All of the diseases that are responsive to this treatment have the common cause of not enough oxygen at the level of the cells in certain parts of the body. So depending on the alignment of the stars uh, in your body, uh, you end up with Parkinson's disease or diabetes or Duchenne muscular dystrophy. All of these are diseases that are known to be created by oxidative stress. And if you go back to the uh, analogy of the boat, literally all of the treatments for all of these diseases, including Parkinson's disease, are concentrating on building better and bigger bilge pumps to pump the water out, and nobody is truly looking at how can we decrease oxidative stress. And so it turns out that uh, we can create certain neuropeptides, nerve chemicals, electronically, that will increase circulation. So I came up with a machine back in uh, 1999. We created a prototype, and uh, it became the STS. I licensed it to Dynatronics, and they created uh, the FDA-approved uh, machine that we've used over the last 10 years. Uh, the problem with the, that machine was that you couldn't uh, have it regulate itself as the patient uh, situation changed. Uh, if uh, uh, you go home and, and uh, have a fight with your wife, uh, the uh, electronic stimulation of the nerves to create these chemicals is going to be different than if you go home and everything's fine. And the problem is that our body is left over from many, many years ago. And if you look at our body as a Stone Age physiology in a space age world, you're halfway home. Our body is set up for short-term stress with a physical response. Instead, it is long-term stress now with... Uh, if you use a physical response, you're going to end up in the hooskow. You're going to end up in jail because you used a, a two-by-four to, uh, to solve your problems. And uh, so the basis of many of these problems, the oxidative stress is literally coming because our bodies just don't handle the stress. And so the current uh, unit that we're using, is it's in the final stages now. It will go to FDA uh, testing uh, by the end of August, uses thermistors on the fingers and actually is able to communicate with the autonomic, the automatic nervous system within your body. It's kind of like uh, uh, automatic biofeedback uh, that with using these thermistors, uh, we can tell how we can help the automatic nervous system within the body, which is literally running everything and certainly is running oxidative stress. The two uh, chemicals that are the principal game players 
in all of these diseases, whether it is diabetes, acid reflux, Parkinson's disease, or muscular dystrophy, are what are called vasoactive neuropeptides. That means that they change circulation. They open the circulation. And I would be willing to bet that if you, uh, well, I already know the answer, so obviously I would win this bet. If anybody with Parkinson's disease, if you shake their hand, their hand is either going to be more warm than it should be or much more likely it's going to be colder than it should be. And if you shook their foot, it'll be even worse because the foot being further from the heart and further from the central nervous system is going to be, as we say, first and worst. Uh, And so looking back on the uh, uh, twisted trail that brought me where I am now, uh, everything that I was training for is applicable now because all of these things show up on the objective testing of the feet. In other words, on day one, when you come in, no matter whether you come in saying that my primary problem is Parkinson's disease or my primary problem is diabetic peripheral neuropathy in my feet, if I, what I do is we're looking at circulation and we're looking at changes in the bone, which is due to the circulation, and changes in the nerves, which are due to circulation. And these should all be present. And if you put up the answers from the objective testing with no names on it, you would not be able to tell whether that person is has Parkinson's disease, diabetes, muscular dystrophy, or any of these other diseases which show up as circulation changes in the feet. And uh, it has already been shown that folks with Parkinson's disease have an increased chance of developing diabetes. People with diabetes have an increased chance of developing Parkinson's disease. And if you understand that if you follow these neuropeptides, these nerve chemicals that link these diseases together, it is very easy to explain why folks with Parkinson's disease will have an increased chance of digestive problems. They're going to have an increased chance of constipation uh, because uh, it's the same nerve chemical that's involved with both. If you don't have enough of that nerve chemical, uh, it's kind of like going into your kitchen, and if you don't have flour, it's really tough to make uh, bread, it's also really tough to make pancakes. Anything that requires that ingredient, you're going to have trouble making. Well, it's the same thing in the body. If you are missing vasoactive intestinal polypeptide, VIP, then your body cannot make activity-dependent neurotrophic factor in the brain, which you have to have to protect the nerves that run on dopamine. But VIP also is necessary uh, so that you don't have sinus problems. It is also necessary, the, you need VIP in order for the pyloric sphincter uh, coming out of the stomach to close all the way. If you don't have that, you get acid reflux. If you don't have VIP, then you're going to have digestive problems because VIP 
controls the circulation of the intestinal tract. Uh, it's kind of uh, uh, goofy, but actually the first uh, study, first pilot study, that's going to occur with this new machine as soon as it's done uh, is, uh, and we're using prototypes of the machine right now, uh, and we actually thought our prototype would have gone on to FDA about two months ago, but the manufacturer took one look and said, Doc, uh, we're going to kill you on price of putting these things together because they're all going to have to be hand-built from the developmental company. We never, you know, nobody ever thought of this. So they're having to make some changes in the case structure and things like that so it can be built by a machine. But the first study to probably happen, uh, I know because we already have the money granted, uh, is going to be on ulcerative colitis uh, because there is a CEO of uh, an ulcerative colitis foundation in California who uh, called me up after running Vector, which is the name of this treatment unit, for six months and uh, said, Dr. Rhodes, uh, when you're ready to do pilot studies, my foundation is going to go ahead and write a check for $100,000 to get this thing started. And I, I said, well, I guess you're doing better. She said, I'm doing beyond better. I had the first normal colonoscopy of my life. She's 45 years old. So uh, if you look at what's going on, with these testings that we do on day one when the patient comes in, and you look at, for instance, uh, vibration perception threshold, uh, which is like a, an electronic tuning fork being applied to your foot uh, at 10 different spots, and uh, these are the proprioceptors. These are the nerve endings in the foot which tell you where your foot is. And uh, these numbers are increased in diabetes, they're increased in Parkinson's disease, they're increased in muscular dystrophy, all for the same reason. There's not enough oxygen at the level of these nerve endings for them to work. Well, these are the nerve endings that tell you where your foot is without looking at your foot. If you uh, uh, step down on your foot without looking at it, uh, then... Uh, you will have a tendency to fall to one side. Uh, they're also the ones that are responsible for the automatic uh, moving forward. In other words, if you're going to walk across a room uh, and uh, you don't ever think left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, it's just automatic. It's hardwired in. We learn how to do this as, as a child. And uh, this ties in not only to the Parkinson's folks who all of a sudden <laughs> the body leans forward but the feet aren't moving forward. Uh, these are the nerve endings that send the signal up to the lower back and tell the lower back, okay, this is where we are, so that the lower back, then the, the lumbar sympathetic plexus, sends back the signals to the appropriate muscles for these muscles to contract and move your leg forward. Uh, these are the nerve endings that are responsible for coordination. And the problem is that if, uh, and this is common with Parkinson folks, if 
all of a sudden your coordination is not as good as it was a couple or five years ago, and all of a sudden you notice that you stop walking through the grass, you stop walking in gravel, you stay on the concrete straightaways because that's the least likely spot to cause trouble, that if you start and, and have to walk across the grass and you, you're going to have a tendency to lose your balance, that causes frustration. When you have frustration, it cuts off the circulation. It makes it even worse. So uh, it's the basically what we have done is uh, created a machine that uses acupuncture, reflexology points, acupressure points, free nerve endings to create these chemicals and then using these points and the meridians, we can literally uh, send those chemicals where we want them to go. In other words, uh, for Parkinson's, if a patient says uh, they're having uh, constipation problems, and uh, our, you know, I always tell them that our standard joke is uh, if you tell us constipation problems, you give us two weeks, we can turn it into diarrhea. Uh, because usually the body overcompensates and then settles into where it's supposed to be. But uh, we can use a similar protocol, a similar setting, uh, to send that vasoactive intestinal polypeptide, which is what we need to send, into the area of the digestive system, uh, whereas if you have uh, migraine headaches, we're going to want to send those neuropeptides to the brain. Uh, really, we want glycogen to the brain because that's what the brain runs on. So uh, anyhow, it has uh, worked for a, a, a wide uh, variety of illnesses, all of which are uh, linked together on the basis of Circulation. Pretty clearly, you're just developing the final machine that's about to go into production and also testing, and so there's only one machine at this point. What well, is it? Yeah, there's, what, what well, is there's it? a bunch of bunch of machines running around, but they uh, of the prototypes. There's uh, we've got uh, 73 uh, children with uh, uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Uh, literally 70 of them are getting better. Uh, three of them really aren't using it. It, it does require time. Uh, pills and shots and things like that are quicker, but sometimes they don't work. Sometimes you need to go uh, uh, outside the box. And, of course, somebody once said there really is no box. Uh, that's just something that we do artificially in, in, your, in our thinking. But uh, the beauty of this is uh, prior to this unit, we used heart rate variability. We used different ways of, of uh, telling uh, what the best treatment was for that particular person. But you were tethered to Corpus Christi, Texas, whereas now uh, we got these units are all the way to Saudi Arabia and Hungary and there's a uh, little boy uh, in our clinic right now from Norway uh, with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. 
the beauty of this is that he will take the unit home and the unit then will reset itself as need be. Uh, it goes through eight possible combinations. If it can find one that creates a, at least a one-degree improvement in the skin temperatures, uh, in the thermistors, in three minutes, then it's going to pick that test and run with that number. And uh, if it can't find one that satisfies our parameters, then it will pick the best one and run it for the rest of the time. And at the end of that time, it says, need new protocol. And uh, then all you do is you uh, uh, go ahead and, and email to uh, VectorX, which is uh, on the, the thing that I sent you. Uh, and uh, currently, I'm the computer at the other end, uh, and uh, send you back uh, the next picture of where you put the electrodes on your hands or your feet. Uh, and uh, within, we're just test running right now, we have a uh, 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 computer program, a, a CyberMe or uh I was calling it Doc in the Box, but my wife didn't like that name. <laughs> and uh, But uh, basically, that computer program is set up because all of a sudden it occurred to people. Uh, for instance, my first little boy who came from Colorado with Duchenne muscular dystrophy could not walk across the room without falling. Uh, he uh, went skiing last Christmas. Uh, we have uh, his uncle sent a videotape of him skiing down the hill. Uh, I was equally impressed with his father skiing backwards in front of him to make sure he didn't get hurt. But basically the little boy was able to ski. He came back just for a checkup, and uh, they came over to the house. I've got eight-year-old twins and, and a three-year-old daughter, and uh, that little boy who three years ago couldn't walk across the room ran for two hours, climbed up a rock wall onto the, the playhouse in the backyard. He climbed up a swinging ladder to the playhouse. He climbed up and down the slide like a normal child. The thing that concerned the parents was, wait a minute, <laughs> Dr. Rhodes is the linchpin holding this whole thing together. What happens if something happens to him? That was when the whole idea of the computer program evolved so that I'm 64 and that little boy is just turning seven, what if instead of him dying at the average age for Duchenne muscular dystrophy is 21? What if he dies at 61 instead? Well, that's a long time from now. I'm going to be an old coot by then. Probably wouldn't be able to help me much. So we're developing the computer program so that uh, once you're into that computer program, it will keep on running from there. I'm sure people are curious about exactly what this looks like. Uh, so you have probes that are on people's hands and on their feet. You, they don't go on your belly button or on your knee. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, Melzack and Walls, the guys who came up with the original gateway mechanism of pain, which became the original TENS unit, uh, showed that uh, for electrical stimulation to be effective, it had to come from the periphery. It had to come from the hands, had to come from the feet. Uh, it was ineffective uh, if it was on the core of the body. 
Uh, and uh, so uh, what you have are these sticky TENS-type electrodes on your hands or on your feet, and you have thermistors, which are in uh, little clips like a pulse ox clip. You've seen the pulse ox clip. Uh, uh, they'll do sometimes for children and with pneumonia, things like that. It's a plastic clip goes on your finger, usually uh, second fingers, right. and uh, the wire uh, goes back from each side, goes back to the machine. The machine reads the temperature changes in your fingers. Uh, we had a little boy come down here with the Shen Muscular Dystrophy from the state of Washington, up in your area. Uh, he holds the record. Uh, he had ice-cold feet, ice-cold hands, and when he started running the test, in three minutes, his hand temperature increased 23 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. And there was nothing on his hands other than the thermistors. In other words, within three minutes of that treatment of his feet, it created calcitonin gene-related peptide, CGRP is the name of the chemical, that is the best vasoactive uh, nerve chemical in the body as far as opening up the circulation. It opens the circulation to skin, bones, small muscles, and the nerves. So we know if we're watching the skin temperature, that's why I said you shake somebody's hand, their hand's cold, you can tell they have chronic pain because they don't have enough CGRP. If you don't have enough CGRP, you're going to develop this whole panorama of diseases simply because you don't have circulation to skin, bones, small muscles, and particularly the nerves. If you don't have circulation to the nerves, then you can't make all these other chemicals you got to make. And you are then at the whim of everything else. And, and so if you look at one of the other problems with Parkinson people, from what I understand, we haven't seen that many people with Parkinson's, uh, but the people we have seen have done quite well. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know how much research you did, but Freddie Powers being the, probably the most notable of, of the folks uh, who started running the treatment. And uh, he's a country singer, songwriter, and uh, his goal when he came down here, and he was here for 11 days, uh, was to get to the point where he had the voice strength again and uh, the energy to go back on tour. And he uh, was able to go back on tour with uh, Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson in, uh, it was called the Last of the Breed Tour. Uh, they toured all over the United States. Uh, they also went to Europe. Um, and he was down here for 11 days. And uh, if... Uh, if you contact my website, I'll be glad to send you uh, uh, the uh, YouTube link uh, showing uh, Freddie and, and other people who were in a small pilot study uh, for Parkinson's, and uh, the folks did very well. And What's, uh, what's the website? Uh, well, if you send a... a uh, uh, we have a brand-new website going up. It's going to be vector.com. Uh, uh, V-E-C-T-T-O-R uh, to differentiate it. Of course, vector is a great thing because it's a never-ending line going in one direction. Uh, so it, it's a great uh, visual. 
but uh, the problem is there's lots of vectors out there, and so my wife uh, came up with the anagram. It's uh, vitality, uh, energy, uh, circulation through transcutaneous oxygen restoration. Wow. I great. certainly hope that's correct. She is, because <laughs> that, that, my forte is not thinking of those things. She's a heck of a Scrabble player, too. But... Uh, uh, routinely kicks my butt, but uh, uh, the uh, that little boy from Washington, uh, it was the electrical impulses in his feet through those nerves was able to release enough of that nerve chemical that then was transported through the circulation system up to his hands and latch on to receptors in the fingertips and increase the temperature 23 degrees in three minutes. The tests are three minutes. It's an automatic thing. If you'd like to be able to ask Dr. Rhodes a direct question, now's your chance. You can call toll-free. That number is 877-590-0733. If I'm being treated by you and I have these probes on my hands and my feet and you begin to do the treatment, do my hands and feet tingle? Does it hurt? What does it feel like? Yeah, uh, in actuality, it has become so, uh, I hate to say civilized, but uh, it's it usually you don't feel anything. The only thing that you can see is you can see that temperature change, so you know something is going on. But it's not painful. Uh, doesn't hurt. Uh, most times when you go to the upper body, when you're putting it on your hands, you sleep like a log because uh, VIP, the same thing that's creating the activity-dependent neurotrophic factor, protecting the dopin, dopaminergic nerves in the brain, uh, also is used by the pineal gland uh, in conjunction with uh, cyclical adenosine monophosphate and creates melatonin, which is why so many of the Parkinson's folks have sleep issues to go with the Parkinson's. I want one of those machines. <laughs> are you going to make these available to people for purchase, or is it mostly for uh, medical doctors and naturopaths and podiatrists and others? Uh, well, it's, it? it's uh, currently, until uh, the FDA uh, licensing is done, which we expect uh, before the end of this year, we're hoping before Thanksgiving, uh, even better before Halloween, but... Uh, Sometime before the end of this year, uh, it'll become approved by the FDA. And uh, at that point, then you don't have to come to Corpus. Currently, because these are beta prototypes, you have to come here, and we train you here. Uh, you have to come for five days. And uh, we've had a few people who are very computer literate, and they've been, been able to shave a day or two off. But in five days... We have plenty of time to make sure uh, that you know how, exactly how to run this. Uh, it is not a complicated machine on the outside. It is very complicated on the inside, but it's like computers. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you had to have a computer engineer sitting beside you if you're going to run a computer, and now my 8-year-old twins can get on the computer and pull up webkins on the Internet. 
Uh, and so things have changed. And, and so we have kept it very simple from the outside. Uh, but uh, one of the common side effects is that uh, you begin to sleep like a rock. Uh, you get up the next morning with energy. Uh, one of my Canadian patients with Parkinson's, actually we have a, he's a heck of a story. Uh, they made a film on him. And uh, he uh, is a singer in a band up there, a young guy. And uh, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and uh, was getting worse by leaps and bounds. He came down. We got him on the machine. And uh, he sent me, I don't have to dig those up. He sent me a uh, video of him going down the hall at the beginning. And he would go with that shuffling step, uh, unsure uh, step. And uh, within a couple months, he sent me another video, and he's walking down the hall. I should have known something was up because he was kind of whistling a tune. And he walked down the hall briskly. He came halfway back up the hall and did a cartwheel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I, I emailed back to him and said, you know, I <laughs> I don't have Parkinson's, and I can't do a cartwheel, never could. No, I couldn't uh, either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he uh, said that up in Canada they have an expression that if you haven't had a good night's sleep, the next day is like a sandwich with no bread. you got mayonnaise all over your fingers, the tomatoes <laughs> squashing through your fingers, and I thought that was a great analogy that, you know, really this is aimed at quality of life, not just getting rid of the tremors. And tremors are usually the last things on the people with Parkinson's we've seen. Tremors are the hardest thing to get rid of usually. Now, we've had a few people. We had one fellow with Parkinson's, and in the first 20 minutes, his tremor stopped as long as the machine was running. When the machine stopped, the tremors came back. But within a month, the tremors would stay gone for about 12 hours, and then they would come back. Well, he just ran the machine twice a day and no more tremors. But the other problems with Parkinson's, uh, the constipation, the, the mental fog, if you would, uh, the energy level, uh come back a lot quicker than the tremors disappear. So let's invite people to do a little experiment, as you sort of suggested, and uh, simply feel the temperature of one of your feet. And those of you who are listening right now and happen to currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's, is I understand the test, Dr. Rhodes, what we would ask people to do is just check out initially the temperature of a foot or, or a hand and then shake that for, what, about uh, 15 seconds or so or uh, 30 seconds and then go back and feel the temperature again at the end of all that shaking and see if there's a shift in the temperature. Would that be the test to do? Well, that's that's kind of a, <laughs> a pretty, you know, it's pretty we're, crude, using, but... we're, we're using photoplethysmography and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crude, I know. 
We're using, but, you know, for uh, folks you know, who are listening, I thought, well, maybe maybe there's something they could do where they could really connect with exactly what you're saying, and it might right. be Right, you know, any type, you know, you can get a reactive hyperemia just by rubbing on your foot. And a matter of fact, if you're going to rub on your foot, if you rub lightly on your foot, you're actually uh, uh, simulating a TENS-type uh, activation because TENS, uh, which this unit is not TENS, but all of these things are based on TENS. Uh, TENS is a sinusoidal wave, and it actually is a much higher frequency. We're running a very low frequency because the autonomic nervous system, the automatic nervous system, runs on the C-fibers in your nerves, and the nerves, the C-fiber nerves, react to very slow-moving uh, impulse. But if you, if you rub, your, uh, rub your foot very lightly, uh, particularly on the inside of the ankle, uh, you're going to, uh, there are uh, a number of acupuncture points right in that area, or the hoku point on the hand is the best place to, in, the, in the body to create uh, VIP. Uh, and, and so that's why they always tell you if you have a migraine headache, pinch that, that V of your hand, the hoku means mouth of the rivers in Chinese, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I don't know how much acupuncture you know. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, so if you just rub that very lightly, that's almost like a tens uh, wave uh, to that area, and that is a much better way if you had uh, a headache. Uh, that would be a good, you know, uh, the best way, of course, would be use our machine because it's a lot more specific. But uh, that would that would be an interesting test. That if you're going to have people uh, either on if their hand is cold, if they would very lightly rub that area for 15 or 20 seconds, uh, they'll find their hand gets a little bit warmer. But the feet are going to always be uh, a better test simply because they're further from the heart, further from the central nervous system. Did you get anybody call in and say? Not yet. <laughs> I wish I wish you would out there if you're doing this experiment. <laughs> and by the way, obviously, here's an expert on everything there is to know about feet. If you've got any questions about your feet that span outside what we're talking about, feel free to call in. This is your chance to get some wonderful uh, consultation advice. So you've already covered this, but can you summarize for people, especially those who've just tuned in, what is the basis of your treatments well basically what you're doing is electronically stimulating the nerves to create the chemicals that are not being created and the lack of those chemicals is what's causing the disease and when you actually use the stimulation through the machines that you created how long do you have to sit there and get the treatment are we talking 15 minutes 30 minutes a day an hour or does it depend on the person well currently it's set up at 40 minutes and 40 minutes uh 40 minutes on the feet 40 minutes on the hands and uh we're working on uh the next generation coming out in a year uh, this generation will have an SD card in it, a camera card, so that we are are uh, compiling the data 
that uh, is being created uh, by the machine running. And basically what happens is that you are waiting for that nerve to create the chemical. So then the nerve holds that chemical in little vesicles, which it releases upon the correct uh, electrical stimulation. And uh, the uh, nerve's ability to create more of those chemicals depends upon its ability to create adenosine triphosphate, ATP. ATP is the fuel of the body. Yeah. And, and of course, that depends on oxygen. We're right back to the, you know, uh, someone once said that money isn't everything, but it's right next to oxygen as far as something you got to have. Well, oxygen is the number one thing you got to have. You don't have it for four, five, six minutes, game's over. doesn't matter how much money you have. Uh, that's second place. And uh, so it all depends on getting oxygen to those nerves. And uh, the more oxygen that's available, the, the better the nerve is able to create the energy, create these chemicals it needs to have. So in the future, probably in the next generation, uh, we're going to, this first generation, we're just going to track. In other words, these machines that uh, will be coming out uh, by September, will have that camera card, the SD card, in it. And we will send, when these units go out, we'll send two cards with it, one you put in, and it records everything you do. At the end of the month, you send that back to us. And then we, uh, I have a computer guy uh, who's going to do a computer program to do a statistical analysis of that. And so what we will find out is that uh, perhaps... Your, the, normally the uh, palmar surface of your thumb should be about 91 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you have Parkinson's, it's probably more like 78 degrees. But with the treatment that the Mr. Reed said, you started off at 78 degrees, and all of a sudden now the jumps up to uh, uh, perhaps uh, 85 degrees. And then it'll back down. And uh, then when the next little vat vesicle of these nerve chemicals is released, then uh, temperature will jump back up again, and then it'll fall off again. Well, eventually the nerve runs out of energy. And at that point, the temperature isn't going to respond anymore. The temperature is going to uh, perhaps be higher than you started, but no longer be increasing like it was. And at that point, why are we going to continue treatment? Uh, right now, we know 40 minutes is adequate to create these neuropeptides, but very likely uh, we're going to find out that 25 minutes works just as well. And at that point, then the time will decrease. Uh, the number one complaint is not that it doesn't work. It all, virtually always works. It's that the time that's involved. Now, I look forward to it because uh, we have TiVo, and, and this is my time to sit down and watch TV. I just, uh, uh, as my wife pointed out to me one time as I was yelling at the Dallas Cowboys, uh, actually uh, Tony Romo, not to throw the ball, and my wife came by and said, uh, do you really think you're getting any good out of the treatment? <laughs> <laughs> when you're yelling at the TV. 
<laughs> well, you know, she was correct. She was correct. I, I was probably creating norepinephrine faster than I could uh, could accommodate it with the with the treatment. And he, and he did throw the ball, and he threw it to uh, the ball to somebody on the other side. You know, so I was right. But uh, it's always easier to see it on TV than when you're on the playing field. To be clear, then, when most people think of treatments, uh, they wonder, is there any medicine that's required before you begin the treatment, any shots that have to be given, any pills that have to be taken? Are there any intrusions uh, into the body? Uh, And it sounds like in this particular treatment, it's natural, it's effective, and it's safe. Would that be a good summary? Exactly. And and the point is actually... uh, because it is natural, we don't have side effects to it. The only side effects are good things like blood pressure decreasing if it's too high, blood pressure increasing if it's too low, because either one is trouble. Uh, a lot of the Parkinson's folks, prior to developing Parkinson's disease years ago, if they go back and look at their medical records, they were hypotensive. Their blood pressure the systolic was under 110. And so they were, the problem with it being low, and of course the cardio, we I argue with the cardiologists all the time. Cardiologists love it when it's low because the back pressure on the heart is decreased. The problem is, for those of us who are fighting the different wars in the periphery, on the edges of the body, if your blood pressure is under 110, you don't have enough pressure in the pipes to get the blood to the edges. So routinely, if you look at chronic pain patients, this is not just Parkinson's, but this is chronic pain, which uh, involves about three-quarters of the people of the United States. Uh, It's very common amongst that group for them to have low blood pressure. Now, uh, John uh, Zubiak did some interesting work up in New York, and... uh, he uh, had the hypothesis that the problem with chronic pain patients was that they could not get rid of norepinephrine fast enough. So he investigated and he found out there's a gene called catecholomethyltransferase, COMT. That's the gene that gets rid of norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is a chemical transmitter of stress. That We're right back to the Stone Age physiology in a space age world. Uh, And so he hypothesized that if you go to a fibromyalgia clinic and test the people, uh, you're going to find out that they have the low-level gene and not the high-level gene. And it turned out he was exactly right. So he hypothesized that three-quarters of the people in the United States either have one high-level and one low-level gene for this for COMT, uh, whereas only one quarter have two high-level. It turned out he was exactly correct. And it's that quarter that is not having chronic pain. Of course, he then went on and dubbed it the WUSH gene, <laughs> he, he lost a little credibility at that point, but but he was he was uh, he was exactly right in that. And it would be interesting. And nobody I know nobody is doing this yet, but somewhere down the road, it would be interesting with the Parkinson's folks to go through and and find out 
you know, because this is simple genomic testing, you know, it's uh, probably a couple hundred bucks each person. But it would be really interesting to find out if that was true for Parkinson's. Yeah. Are objective tests uh, utilized to determine if this particular treatment should be successful? Yeah, and this this is what I was talking about. On day one, uh, we're we're looking for circulation. Uh, We want to make sure, you know, you're going to come in with cold feet, usually. Uh, And so we'll do uh, photoplasmography, which is basically a a little beam of red light that goes in and bounces off the red blood cells in in the circulatory system, in the digital pulp of the toe and then reflects back, and, and the machine reads that and puts it out and prints it out as a, as a waveform. And so what we will find on most Parkinson's folks is that that waveform is insufficient. In other words, we're going to see that when we do a digital temperature on them, that their temperature, the, the bottom of the big toe uh, in your foot, should be about 83 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, the Parkinson folks usually come in 68 to 71 degrees, that ballpark. And uh, so then we go back and we'll look uh, with the photoplethysmography, do we have sufficient circulation at that stage? We already know we don't have it at the capillary stage. In other words, we'll do a capillary filling time on the toes, that's another thing you can have your listeners do, is while they have their socks and shoes off, if they press uh, on the tip of their big toe, uh, press it down, hold it for about five seconds, and let go, how long does it take for the color to come back in in the toe? Uh, It should be less than two seconds. And if it's more than two seconds, then uh, it shows that there is a capillary filling time problem. So the digital pulp is what we're testing with the photoplethysmography can get fooled because what that's showing is the small arteriole in the toe is either has adequate blood or doesn't. In virtually all of the Parkinson folks I've seen, they did not have adequate blood flow in the toes. They also didn't have adequate capillary filling time. So then with that knowledge, then we go back and do what's called an ankle brachial index, an ABI. Ankle brachial index is a very good test to show are you getting adequate blood flow to the foot. In other words, we know it's not in the toes, Is it because we have a blockage somewhere between the heart and the foot? Or is it getting to the foot, but it's not getting to the skin, and therefore not getting anywhere else you need it, uh, in the foot? And uh, the ABI, because of the architecture involved, you should have more pressure in the ankle than you do in the arm. So the ABI should at least be 0.96 or usually it's above that, uh, should be 1.0. In other words, you should have at least as much pressure in the ankle that you do in the arm. Uh, we also get a waveform at the level of the ankle. Uh, the waveform, uh, if you have a blockage somewhere up in the artery, you're going to see that number going down. It's going to get under 0.96. You're also going to see as it progresses, 
it, the waveform becomes what's called stenotic. It looks instead of it should look like uh, a bigger mountain and a little mountain next to it. The little mountain is the right side of the heart contracting. The bigger mountain is the left side of the heart contracting, and it's split by the dichrotic notch. Um, you should have those if that if you have a normal composition of the arterial wall from the heart to the foot. That's what you should see. As that wall starts to be to become sclerotic, where it starts to instead the arteries are, are like a rubber tube, so that when the heart pumps, the tube expands slightly and then contracts down so that uh, you don't have a complete cutoff in between uh, the left side of the heart pumps and then it pumps, and you don't want uh, blood flow, no blood flow, blood flow, no blood flow. You want a continuation of that flow. And uh, so we get a lot of information right quick out of that. Uh, we also, uh, if you get, if there is a uh, any kind of adhesion on the tibial nerve, you get what's called a Turk's test uh, that will show that you have a tarsal tunnel syndrome, which can make things look different up in front. But what we want to assure the patient and assure ourselves is that we are having adequate blood flow to the foot, it's just not getting where it ought to go. And the chemical that you got to have in order for it to get to the skin is CGRP. We're right back to that same guy. The next test we do is the x-rays. The x-rays show the changes in the bone. And what will happen is if you have inadequate CGRP, you'll have inadequate circulation to the skin, bones, small muscles and nerves, and you start to see small dead areas in the bone. They'll show up wherever there's an increased need for oxygen, which is going to, in the, in, certainly in the foot, it's going to show up in the first metatarsal right underneath the cartilage. And what's happening is cartilage does not have its own circulation. It draws what it needs from the underlying bone, when the underlying bone doesn't have enough circulation, oxygen, foodstuffs, then the underlying bone degenerates, disintegrates. Uh, if you get a collection of those together, you get osteoporosis. You know what happens in Parkinson's disease? You eventually get osteopenia, eventually get osteoporosis. Anywhere there's an increased need for oxygen, such as cartilage, um, the muscle attaching to the bone, tendon attaching to the bone, ligaments attaching to the bone, anywhere where there's an increased need for oxygen, that's where the bone is going to fall apart first. So what we're doing is confirming, because we're not doing blood tests that show that you don't have enough CGRP. What we're doing is showing the effects of that lack of circulation. Third one is the circuit, the nerves. We do vibration perception threshold. That's what we were talking about before. These are the first nerves to show troubles with circulation. And uh, it allows us to, uh, number one, if uh, the, the VPT test, the vibration perception threshold testing, should be under 15, should never be over 25. If 
you are a Parkinson patient and also happen to have diabetes and those numbers are above 25, you have uh, the federal government has already had a study, uh, many studies, that show that if that number is above 25, then not only are you going to have tremendous problems with coordination, but you're also going to have a loss of protective sensation so that you could step on something and have an infection in your foot, never know it's there, and the chances of amputation, if that number's above 25, are 10 times higher. So if a patient comes in with Parkinson's, we're going to run them through these tests. We see that number above 25. The first, and you know, so my question immediately is going to be, has anybody tested you for diabetes? And virtually always is, no, my numbers are a little bit high, but nobody's tested me. Well, you need a two-hour glucose tolerance test and rule out diabetes because uh, Parkinson's folks have an increased risk of diabetes. And if your numbers are above 25, we want to rule out that diabetes. You should be in the hands of an endocrinologist uh, doing something to get that under control. Tell us all more about the clinical studies that you are pursuing. Well, there's a, there's a, a number of them. We, we did a small pilot study up in Austin, and that's, that's the one we have on the videotape. If, if, uh, if folks uh, send a request, uh, I'll be glad to send that back to you. I've also written a couple of monographs. I'm not pretending to be an expert on Parkinson's disease. I'm sure many of your listeners know more about Parkinson's because they're living with it. Uh, than I do. What I know is how does my machine interface with this disease and how can we help you fight the disease and increase your quality of life. The, uh, so we did a small uh, pilot study on five patients. Five out of five got better. Uh, one of the patients who came down uh, was Connie Nelson and she she said, Doc, use my name anytime name, you want to name drop. Uh, she's an ex-wife of Willie Nelson. And uh, she said, why, you know, why aren't these famous show folks who have Parkinson's disease following up on this? And I said, you know, the problem is the more famous you get, the more people are telling you, hey, we can do this, we can do that. Uh you know, in many ways, what I do sounds too good to be true. Uh, most times when it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Every so often, it's real. Uh, we've got four children with uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which is the Jerry Lewis kind of disease, who have been in uh, electric wheelchairs, and they're very close to walking. That will be a shot heard around the world when that happens. Uh, we got all of these. All of the kids are getting better. Uh, out of 70, 73, 70 are getting better. So literally all of them are getting better. Uh, we've got uh, the one study I referred to uh, with the ulcerative colitis is being put together. We've got a uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy study. Uh, 
where we're putting, uh, I've got uh, one foundation's put up uh, some money already. Uh, studies are expensive. Uh, they're not only expensive, but in order to truly prove that you've got something real, it needs to be double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled study. And in the past, we have not had uh, the availability of a placebo control. This unit coming out uh, this next month will have the ability to be a placebo because there are two different kinds of SD cards. There's a real one and there's a placebo. The uh, real card, when you put it into the machine, the machine, the computer in the machine picks up the program and it will do what it's supposed to do. The placebo SD card, when you put it in the machine, uh, it loads into the computer and the computer knows, okay, this is how we're going to fool the patient and the doctors into thinking this is real. So the placebo, uh, and I wrote, I wrote the how-to. I didn't. I, I'm not claiming to be the the computer expert. I wrote, uh, this is what it needs to do. It the on the screen, uh, the normal uh, program shows what it's doing, and the temperature changes. The uh, placebo machine is going to say, this is what we're doing, and these are the temperature changes. However, <laughs> there's nothing going to the electrodes. So it's just going to be giving you false information, but it's going to look real. And since you can't feel the treatment, as far as the patient knows, they're getting a real treatment. So what we will do is the IRB the uh, review board that runs the program, will be the only one who knows which one of these units, and of course they're all barcoded, so they, they know which one's which, which one of these units is real and which one is placebo. And so when the study's done, then they can they go through and they look at all the data and say, okay, those on um, the real treatment did this well, and those who had the placebo treatment didn't do as well. So uh, the muscular dystrophy uh, study in Houston will be a relatively small study, somewhere between 9 and 21 people. Uh, the uh, ulcerative colitis, uh, we have a foundation bid of uh, grant for 100000 uh, We can probably, uh, and on all these, I'm going to end up donating the units. Uh, for the study because, of course, it's in my best interest to show that this works. Uh, even if I donate the units, uh, we will probably be able to do somewhere between 9 and 13, 14 people because colonoscopies are expensive and that's the only true way to show that it worked. Uh, we have had some tentative uh, people talking about Parkinson's studies. Nobody has put money uh, on the table. I've got a fellow uh, with Lou Gehrig's disease over in uh, Florida, and uh, Mayo Clinic uh, told him last December, good news, bad news. Good news is that we know what you have. It's not COPD. You have ALS. Uh, bad news is at the pace you're going, you will not be here in June. 
he was referred over by a friend of his from Canada. Uh, he came to me in April, and he's getting better. So in uh, in the end of May, he called me up and said, if I can give him uh, one more year of life, he will fund a study for ALS. And that's 3 to $4 million. So, so far so good. We're now uh, past the middle of July. He's uh, over six weeks from when he's no longer supposed to be with us. And he's uh, walking on a walker. First time since December. If a person listening to this conversation is thinking, I'm called to go down to Dr. Rhodes' clinic in Corpus Christi, could you please explain sort of step-by-step what's involved? Do they have to come down for six days a week, four days, as you were mentioning earlier? How much does it cost? What do they have to do? Where do they stay, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Uh, It's all done outpatient, so there are a number of hotels that are within a mile or two of of our clinic. Uh, clinic actually is right near a hospital also, the major hospital in the town. Um, and uh, you need to come for about five days. Uh, you come and see us every day. On day one, we test and make sure that, number one, you're a good candidate uh, for this treatment because uh, doctors are type A, uh, and I am no exception. Uh, doctors want to win. And uh, so the best way to win is only play games that you can win. And uh, uh, so we want to make sure you have what we fix. And every so often, I've never had that on a Parkinson patient, I have had it on a couple of the chronic pain patients where they had uh, no idea that they had an arterial occlusion and uh, they got picked up on the circulation test that, yes, they had chronic pain in their right foot. Uh, the, fellow, the last fellow I saw was right foot. Uh, but it wasn't because of the nerves in the right foot or the circulation in the right foot. It was the circulation wasn't getting to the right foot. So I sent him to a vascular surgeon. vascular surgeon did an arteriogram and came up with the same answer and found out exactly where the blockage was, ran a shunt around that blockage, and the pain in the foot disappeared. Uh, the machine itself uh, is, uh, we absolutely guarantee it's going to work. I don't want machines out there that, that somebody got and said, hey, I didn't get any better. So we guarantee that within 30 days, you're going to have an improvement. And as I said, in Parkinson's, tremors are the last thing to go. But you should sleep better uh, if constipation was a problem. Constipation should be gone within 30 days. Uh, you should feel better because truly that's where it is, quality of life. Uh, we don't uh, do insurance anymore. Uh, we give you everything to file with your insurance, but we found that the patients uh, uh, are a lot <laughs> better getting money out of their insurance company than we were. And uh, But uh, it's all done on a cash basis. The first day is $850. For all the testing that we do, the evaluation, there's an orthopedic surgeon in our clinic. Uh, He uh, is looking for general medical problems. Of course, he's also an orthopedic surgeon. He's also looking for the orthopedic problems. 
Uh, I do all of the uh, testing on the feet. I do all the electronics, all the setting up of the electronics. Uh, the following days, the four following days are $100 each. Uh, the machine itself is $4,500. And uh, like I said, they have to have a response within 30 days. So the person actually takes the machine home. It's their machine to keep then, is that right? Yes, sir. They they need, and they, yeah, and, and uh, basically what we would like them to do is for the first 30 days to run it in the morning and in the evening. If a uh, job or getting kids off to school or, you know, various conflicts that happen uh, preclude being able to run it in the morning, the really important time to do the treatment is in the evening after 7 o'clock because of circadian rhythm. Uh, circadian rhythm, uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, 4 a.m., uh, the blood pressure goes up and uh, the cortisol level goes up and the blood beta endorphin levels go up, uh, meaning that uh, many of the chronic pain patients don't sleep well till after 4 o'clock in the morning because they feel better in the day. They have higher blood pressure, getting more blood to the edges of their body. The blood beta endorphin level stabilizes the blood sugar. All of these diseases, whether you have diabetes or not, have a component of carbohydrate metabolism. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're not truly a diabetic, uh, you'll have a tendency toward hypoglycemia because what happens is uh, the body uh, is uh, not creating enough circulation to the nerves for them to make what they should be making. And uh, stress is ubiquitous. Uh, that's part of life. And uh, so if you have stress, it releases norepinephrine. Norepinephrine tells your body, release insulin and break down glycogen. But the problem is in order to have glycogen, you have to have VIP. We're right back to the same guy for Parkinson's, which is why a lot of the folks don't feel well, is that their blood sugar is running low, and they find that they feel better after they ate. It's because their blood sugar is uh, more normal. Uh, the, uh, the third thing that on the circadian rhythm is the cortisol. Cortisol helps you handle the stress. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it goes the other way. You're, you're getting ready to go to bed. Your body is anyhow. Uh, and uh, so the, the blood beta endorphin level goes down, cortisol level goes down, and the blood pressure goes down. Um, and uh, one of the problems that is not uh, realized is that so many of these various problems, uh, diseases, have become so much more prevalent since 1900. And what has happened is with the advent of the white light, it used to be that when the sun went down, the only thing you saw were yellow lights. You saw candles, you saw fire, you saw lanterns, but it wasn't blue-green. Blue-green is in a white light. And that's why a lot of these diseases have gotten worse. A lot of your patients with Parkinson's will get out of bed in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom because they've had swelling in their legs and feet, during the day, 
once again because the lack of calcitonin gene-related peptide, CGRP, opens that circulation to the skin. The same thing that causes the cold feet causes the swelling of the feet because the valves that should be open and let the blood into the skin so the skin uh, has the normal uh, texture and strength and it's not shiny and dry like it is in so many of the Parkinson's folks' feet. Uh, that valve that has to open in order to do that is opened by CGRP. So if it's not open, what happens is the blood comes up to that valve under pressure. It can't get through the valve, so you're not truly getting the blood out in the skin that you need. But some of the liquid leaks out into the skin. Well, that liquid accumulates during the day, and at night when you put your feet up and go to, go to, go to bed, the liquid comes back out of your feet and legs into the bloodstream, and all of a sudden you got too much fluid in the circulatory system. you got to get out of bed and go to the bathroom. If you see a white light, the white light destroys melatonin. Melatonin is the number one reactive oxygen species gatherer in the body. Lack of circulation creates reactive oxygen species, oxidative stress, which is at the core of all the diseases that this treatment is aimed at. So it's kind of a double-edged sword that not only are you getting out of bed, but number one, number two, you see that white light, that destroys the melatonin, you're not going to sleep as well after that. The next morning you get out of bed and you're more tired. And the situation just gets worse. I understand that this machine is going to probably be available in Europe and other countries before the United States. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, the uh, uh, of course, we have these are all things that, that you need liaisons because it's, uh, they all become, uh, uh, you have to be a specialist in each of these areas to, to work it through. Uh, the in uh, Europe, and we've got a number of patients who have come uh, from Europe, including the, the little boy from Norway who's here right now. And he's the second little boy from Norway. Uh, and uh, But we're expecting uh, to be able to sell these devices in Europe uh, without having folks having to come over here uh, before the end of September. And we're, like I said... We're hoping for before November for the United States. FDA and European Mark, Canadian Mark are all a little bit different. Uh, they all require different testing, different papers. It's a it's a paper chase. So it basically means that in the United States, a person will likely be able to actually acquire uh, this machine without having to go to Corpus Christi uh, here in the near future. Yes, sir. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to put a video together uh, that explains very clearly how to do it. Uh, and uh, all that would be required is uh, a prescription to be signed by your medical doctor. 
uh, and a compilation of your medical history, uh, which could be done by the patient, saying that I have Parkinson's disease and I have these problems associated with it, and so that we can create the correct trunk. Uh, if you look at, at the computer program uh, as trunk and limbs, the main trunk for Parkinson patient is Parkinson's disease. And there are specific uh, protocols, ways of putting the electrodes on the hands and the feet uh, that will help patients with Parkinson's disease. But if you have a toothache, all of a sudden your mouth pain is going to be uh, everything's on a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being the worst you can imagine, 0 being no pain. Uh, and all of a sudden you have a tooth pain that's 8. Well, <clears throat> what people don't realize is that if you have pain uh, anywhere in your body, it doesn't matter if you have pain from a tooth or pain from an ingrown toenail in your foot, that pain uh, creates a chemical called substance P that travels around and cuts off circulation. It cuts off CGRP. Uh, and uh, you can prove that by just put your thumb out, hit it with a hammer, and it'll turn white around where you hit it. Well, that's because it's cut off the circulation to the skin in that area. And uh, not, I'm not, of course, advocating that. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, so if all of a sudden your tooth hurts, you would then uh, email to the computer. The computer will recognize that and take you off the main Parkinson trunk because now that tooth pain has become the most important thing uh, is to get that down. Well, there are protocols, uh, you know, as you know, you can go to an acupuncturist and say, I've got a pain in my mouth, and they'll, you know, put needles in. We don't use needles, uh, but we'd use electronics instead, uh, and uh, they can make that pain go away. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this now for about 19 years. Uh, and basically uh, will become an overnight success, success uh, uh, 19 or 20 years in the making. You mentioned earlier that you use this particular electrostimulation device you've invented yourself. Do you use it yourself to treat any particular medical challenges you have? Well, unfortunately, of course, I have the the original disease that that this was invented for the RSDS. Uh, I we run a ranch. Uh, we run about 300 mama cows. As a matter of fact, that's where I was up until about two hours ago. Uh, I'm back in town now, and uh, I have been thrown off of horses. I've been run over by cows. And, <laughs> you know, you know the basic stuff anybody who runs a ranch is going to have happen to them. And uh, unfortunately, developed that nerve injury disease, and so I don't have any symptoms of that disease now. But I run the treatment every night because I don't want all this nasty stuff I see going through uh, my clinic, which comes from these same lack of chemicals. And so uh, I run the machine, and I sleep like a rock. I always, thought, uh, 
I always thought uh, that you know the only advantage of getting older is you need less sleep, and the truth is you actually need need more sleep. Is that your body makes less melatonin, so you think you don't need as much sleep, you don't sleep as well because of the lack of melatonin, not because you don't need it. And of course, the reason for sleep is to heal the body. That's that's when our bodies heal is when we sleep at night. And if you don't sleep well, if you sleep fitfully, you're not really healing the body. And that's, of course, the underlying chronic fatigue syndrome situation. So, Dr. Donald Roach from the South Texas Innovative Medicine Clinic, how do people get in touch with you again? Well, the easiest way is to go to the uh, any of our websites, uh, either the uh, the one that I sent to you, the Vector RX, uh, goes straight into our uh, goes straight actually comes straight to me. Uh, we're also uh, available at the number two stim two stim dot com. We're also at Vector dot com v e c t t o r dot com. And is there an email people can reach you at? Uh, if they if they do the vector X, that's an email form. It comes directly to me. And the I one have that phone... I sent the one I sent to you. And is there a phone number people can call? Sure. Uh three six one nine nine two nine four three two. Is there anything you haven't had a chance to tell people about that would be a good chance to now to uh say that? Well, I, uh, I wish we had a poll, uh, if they can anonymously send to you a poll of how many of your Parkinson's patients listening to the program felt their foot and found out that they have a cold foot. Yeah, I would love to know that number. Email uh, Dr. Rhodes the answer, folks. <laughs> if you've done the test, <laughs> let him know <laughs> what the answer is. I realize it's a bit crude, but... Uh, yeah, it, 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 well, because everyone who has come in here uh with parkinson's has had cold feet and and somewhat surprised at how cold they were you know, they, yeah they they knew they had cold feet and a lot of them were sleeping in bed at night with socks on but they didn't realize how cold and until we actually got a digital temperature and 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 showed that it should be 83 and they were 68 well, I look forward to the developments of this machine being improved and getting additional information about people's experience with it. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to uh, tell us all about your incredible invention and your work and your discoveries that have a compelling impact on the many, many, many individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. Not a problem. Glad to do it. And and if they will send a request to that Vector X uh, that's on the website uh, that I sent to you, I'll be glad to put them on our mailing list so that they get the and I've already put you on the list uh, to get the uh, uh, videos, uh, the YouTube video addresses of uh, as we follow up on patients, uh, we're following their progress on video and and then uh, sending them out and. And uh, I think there's some some very remarkable uh, uh, things that are happening. 
And Dr. Rhodes, as I get those links, as you send me those links, I'll go ahead and put the link on the Parkinson's Recovery blog so people can just routinely be updated about what the results are of the research you're doing. Super. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for being on the show. Well, I appreciate the offer and, and the time you put into it and all the effort you put into it. Oh, it's a pleasure, a privilege, and an honor. Well, thank you, and sir. That's what's, and that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show today that you are on the road to recovery. May your week be magnificent. Good day.